Well, hello, my friends. This is Pastor Calvin Corbett coming to you on the Friday broadcast of Hope for Your Heart. So glad that you're joining us today. And today I want to talk to you about a very important subject. And I know if you listen to the broadcast any length of time, I always have a very important subject, right? And uh, that's because it's all coming from God's Word. And God's Word is quick and powerful and sharper than a double-edged sword. And so anytime you're in God's Word, you are dealing with a very important subject. So today I want to talk to you about game changers, right? What makes a difference in our lives? And we're going to look at the story that is very popular in the Bible, the story of Peter walking on the water. But before I get too far into the message, this is very close to Memorial Day weekend. I think it's about a week we celebrate Memorial Day. And you know, since 1971, Memorial Day has been observed annually on the last Monday in May. The purpose is to honor the nation's military personnel who were killed during wartime. The holly was first called Decoration Day because people would decorate the soldiers' graves with flowers and and flags on that day. Today it is also marked by parades and Memorial Day speeches and, and ceremonies. But in Waterloo, New York, this is actually the birthplace of Memorial Day. Yeah, that's right, on May 5th, 1866, the people of Waterloo placed flowers on the graves of the northern soldiers who had died in the Civil War. In 1868, Major General John Logan declared May 30th as a day for honoring soldiers who had died fighting for the North. Now, a lot of meaning is attached to decorating of the graves. After World War I ended in 1918, Decoration Day became a day to remember everyone who had died in fighting in U.S. wars, the Civil War, the Spanish-American War, World War I, and World War II. The observation now includes the Korean War, the Vietnam War, the Gulf War, uh, basically any war in which American lives were lost. We remember them on Memorial Day, the last Monday in May. So I want to take just a moment and thank all of the men and women who have given the ultimate sacrifice, their lives, so that we could experience the freedom that we have here in the United States of America. Those who gave the ultimate gift, their lives, so that we could enjoy the freedom that we have in the United States of America. Now, the difference between Memorial Day and Veterans Day is Memorial Day is we are remembering the fallen, those who have given their lives. And on Veterans Day, we remember those who are still alive, but who have served our nation through the armed forces. So a big thank you to all those who gave their lives for our freedom that we so oftentimes, I regret to say, take for granted. But let's talk today about how to be involved in a game changer moment. And uh, if you're a sports nut, you know that oftentimes something will happen in a sports event that becomes a game changer. Uh, The team may be way behind and then something happens and uh, the team just comes back. And uh, as a result of that unbelievable comeback, they win the championship or they win the World Series or they win the Super Bowl or they win the World Cup, whatever event we're talking about. But as we think about these game changes that take place in our lives, we've got to look at how God brings about these changes in our lives. So we're going to look at a guy by the name of Peter, a guy that you know very well, and the changes that were made in his life so that he could be different, so that he could be changed. You know, when you think about 
some things that people actually are involved in and different collections of things that people have. I think about those who have collected really strange things, right? For example, there's this guy that collected, uh, this guy has some really strange collections, and uh, Francis John Darwin of Minnesota, he's been collecting strings since 1950. Yeah, a ball of string. Now, his ball of thread measures over 10 feet in diameter, and it weighs five tons. Or there's this Canadian sailor, Joe Simmons, who died in 1965 with nearly 5,000 tattoos. Uh, Then there's this guy in New Orleans uh, that has 129 Corvairs. Uh, That's pretty good. I mean, I imagine that collection is worth some money. Uh, Then there's a man in Dallas that several years ago had hoarded 4,000 hotel keys, and he had no idea what these keys fit, but he just knew he collected these 4,000 hotel keys. I even heard about a collector uh, who had a famous collection, and uh, this guy had a a collection of 3,500 listings of addresses, and I don't know why he collected those, but he did. But the prize for the most unusual collection goes to an Italian dentist who, by 1903, had collected over 2 million teeth that he had extracted himself. Now, how would you like to be one of his patients? I mean, doctor, I'm going to rip your teeth out, okay? Strange things that we collect. Now, as we think about game changers, something unusual happens to us that drives us to change. So let's look at Luke chapter 5, beginning at verse number 1. One day Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesareth. The people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by fishermen who were out washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, and the one that belonged to Simon, and he asked them to put out a little further from the shore. Then he sat down and he taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into deeper water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard hard all night and we haven't caught anything. But because you say, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught so much fish, such a large number of fish, that their nets began to break. So they signaled for their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and they filled up the boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at the feet of Jesus and he said, Go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. For he and all of his companions were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on the shore, left everything, and followed him. So game-changing. We discover that Peter is experiencing a major change in his life. And the change is this. Are you going to follow Jesus or are you going to fish? Follow or fish? His will or my will? You see, I discovered something that the less willing I am to follow God, the less likely I am to find him. We tend to find what we are looking for. Simon had been out fishing all night and he caught nothing. Jesus has gone a little bit deeper Cast your nets on the other side, and lo and behold, Peter, in obedience, catches a large number of fish. But Jesus is using this as an example to say, 
your life is about to experience a major change. And the major change is that you're no longer going to be just catching fish, but now if you will follow me, I will make you fishers of men. So Peter had to make a choice. Am I willing to follow him, follow Christ, or am I going to keep doing what I'm doing? You see, God has a way of running into our lives that way, doesn't he? He runs into us and he says, launch out into the deep. Peter had already cleaned up his nets. Peter had already worked all night. He was done. He and Andrew and James and John, they were professionals and they tried everything to catch fish and they were unsuccessful. So they were done. They cleaned up the nets. They were going home. But we discover that God, often in our times of tiredness, and when we're about to throw into the towel, God says, I have a greater catch for you. I have a bigger fish for you to catch. The nets are breaking. The boats are sinking. I have a bigger opportunity for you if you will follow me. You've got to decide if you want to keep going down the line of conventional wisdom on how to catch fish, or do you want to become a fisher of men? We also discover that God not only gives a greater catch, a bigger fish, but also he gives us greater opportunities. We discover that Peter was going to have a major transition in his life. He was no longer going to be just a fisherman. Uh, he was going to be a fisher of men. His life was going to be used to bring the gospel to those within that community. We also discover that when this game changer took place in the life of Peter, it was a greater life. There was going to be a more intimate relationship with Christ. There was going to be a deeper love followed by a deeper obedience. And we discover that Peter left everything. He had this uncanning ability to be driving right through his fear. He left everything to become a follower of Christ. So the first game change that Peter experienced was to be a fisherman or a follower of Christ. And he decided that he would be a follower of Christ. Here's a second change that we discovered that takes place in the life of Peter, and it's found in Matthew 16, verses 13 through 16, and we discover that Peter goes from one who, who is being influenced by others or to be an influencer of others. Do you want others to influence you, or do you want to influence others? You see, the world will always have a high standard for us. We discover when Jesus came into that region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked the disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, well, some say you're John the Baptist. Others say that you're Elijah. And still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Oh, but what about you, he asked. Who do you say I am? Now, the reason I love Simon Peter is because he spoke up. The others were kind of reserved, and they were kind of pondering what Jesus was asking them. But Simon Peter speaks right up. And he says, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. You see, game changer moment one was when he's out there fishing and God turns him into a fisher of men. Game changer number two is that now Peter is going to be used to influence others. Uh, so here's a question we must ask ourselves. Who has my attention? Who has your attention? What are you focused on? If you are focused on Christ, you're going to discover that he's going to use you to be an influencer of people. We learn from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, when Jesus is ministering and they are actually convinced that he is the living God, that their lives change. 
1 Corinthians 12 says, you know that when you were pagans, that was when you were lost, somebody else would influence you and lead you astray. In other words, before you were a follower of Christ, you kind of just went along to get along. You fell into the conventional wisdom of the world, and the world said certain things. You just bought a hook, line, and sinker because you were part of the world, and you were following the world. Even though the world was highly hypocritical in its belief systems, you went along to get along. However, when you came to Christ, Jesus changed our perspective. Jesus, by the Holy Spirit, brings about salvation, and so our lives are enlightened. Now, instead of being influenced by the world, we have this unbelievable ability to influence the world. That's exactly what is happening to Peter. When Jesus asked him, who do people say the Son of Man is? Peter says, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus said, flesh and blood didn't reveal that to you. The world didn't give you that information. That was a divine intervention. The Spirit of God is revealing to Peter who Jesus is. And as a result of that, now Peter is giving this ability to influence others. That was a game changer. All of a sudden, his his mind is open to who Jesus really is. We discover a third change that happened in the life of Peter. That's going back to Luke chapter 22, verses 55 through 62. We discover that not only is he influencing others, not only has he gone from being a fisher of men to a follower of Christ, we discover that he is no longer fearful, but now he is faithful. Luke chapter 22, verse 55. And when some of them had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard, and he had sat down together, Peter sat down with them. Now, this is kind of a sad story. You kind of know what's about to happen here, don't you? A servant girl saw him seated there in the firelight, and she looked closely at him and said, This man was with him, but he denied it. He says, Woman, I don't know him, he said. A little time later, somebody else saw him and said, You also are one of them. Man, I am not, Peter replied. About an hour later, another asserted, Certainly this fellow was with him, for he is a Galilean. Peter replied, Man, I don't know what you're talking about. Just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. The Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word that the Lord had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows today, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and he whipped bitterly. Now, if that was the end of the story, we'd be really disappointed in Peter. You know, fear paralyzes us from receiving God's best. Faith in self will always lead to fear. That's exactly what Peter was struggling with. You remember when everyone was coming in to capture Jesus, and Peter says, you know, all these other losers are going to deny you, but not me. I'll even die for you. And he took out that sword, and he chopped off the ear of Milchus, that high priest official. And as we look at that whole story, faith was in Peter's self, and he fell, and he fell miserably. When he said, I'm not going to deny you, he was putting confidence in himself. When we think about faith in ourselves, it always leads to fear. It may show up in various forms like laziness and complacency and a critical spirit toward others. It is fear of doing what God wants us to do. When we will take just a moment and have a game-changing moment 
Stop and listen to what the Lord has to say to us. Trust in Him. Trust in Him exclusively. Pray, Lord, Your will be done. Allow God to surprise you when you follow Him and take that walk of faith. Be brave, and you'll discover that God will open up doors that you never thought were possible. Fear was paralyzing Peter, but when Jesus looked them in the eye, he had a change of heart. He wept bitterly because he disappointed the Lord. We also know that Peter had a revelation of the risen Savior. Jesus appears to Peter personally, and we discover that Peter is never again the same. Well, there's a fourth game changer that we got to look at today. And that fourth game changer is you go from being a passive individual to a passionate individual. Oh, let me tell you something about passion. The world is filled with people who are passive. But if you become passionate about something that God wants you to do, you will turn the world upside down. In Acts chapter 2, we see the formulation of the church. We see that Peter is preaching, and his sermon is found in verse number 38. And Peter says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and for your children and all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call With many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them. And he said, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. We discover that Peter here has encountered the risen Savior. Jesus has ascended up into heaven. The Holy Spirit has descended. The church has begun. And we discover that Peter, who was very passive, now all of a sudden is very passionate. And he's proclaiming the gospel. You know, passionate people give their all, their time, their talents, their treasures, everything that is part of them, they give as their passion. In Galatians chapter 5, we are told that those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh and its passions and its desires. You see, two passions cannot be in the same person. You can't be passionate for the world and passionate for Christ at the same time. You must crucify the flesh and the passions of this world. And when that happens, you become passionate for Christ. You see, Paul understood this passion. He says, those who belong to Christ, they have crucified the flesh. As a matter of fact, that's one of the ways that you know you're a follower of Christ. You no longer constantly give in to the flesh. You crucify the flesh. Now, Peter gives us some cautions for all those who have experienced game changers. And I want to give you these cautions quickly. When you have a game-changing moment in your life, don't underestimate your weaknesses. You see, they are stronger than you can imagine. When I deny my weaknesses, I fool nobody. You see, weaknesses that are denied are fatal. Paul says, talking about Jesus, to the weak he became weak, to win the weak. I have become all things to all people so that by all means I might save some. Do not underestimate your weaknesses. Acknowledge them, confess them. When I confess my weaknesses, I bless everyone. 
In 1 Thessalonians 5.14, Paul says, And we urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle and disruptive, encourage the disheartened, help the weak, be patient with everyone. Now, this is the moment where you are. This is when you choose to be in close with Jesus and you learn to confess those weaknesses. In the process of confessing those weaknesses, you discover that you're able to identify with others. You see, everybody has weaknesses. As we think about this action that takes place, we discover that Peter, when he fell into sin, was drifting in his relationship with Christ. He was standing at a distance. He was getting separated from those who kept him where he needed to be. As we look at the servant girl, Peter denies that he knew him. A little servant girl. This big, rugged fisherman could not even stand up to a servant girl. Peter says, I don't know what you're talking about. We look at Matthew's account and and we discover that there he is lying again. You see, whenever I'm not sensitive to the horror of my sins, I'm beginning to follow at a distance. Peter, that rock crumbled three times. I can so identify with this. God, I promise I also uh, struggle with this, right? So God says, Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know I love you. Feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Restore my sheep. Feed my sheep. We discover that Peter is preaching on repentance on the day of Pentecost. We discover that nobody was more qualified to preach on this subject of failure than Peter himself. I want to encourage you today, never put a period where God puts a comma. You may have failed, comma, but God is able to forgive. You see, you're going to do something that you think has ended your marriage. You're going to do something that you think is going to end your involvement in your church. You think you're going to do something that is going to end in financial disaster. And and you put a period there and you say, there's no way I'm going to get past this, but I want you to know that my God shall supply all of your needs. So don't put a period where God puts a comma. You see, success is not final, but failure is not fatal. Failure is an option. It's not a person. Peter failed and was allowed to proclaim the grace of Jesus Christ. Where you are broken, you become the strongest when Jesus heals you. Satan wants to take a shot at you, but when you turn back, you will be a blessing to everyone. You will never be like you were before. You will never be following Jesus at a distance again. Here we discover that God can do mighty things if we will surrender to him. You know, if you're suffering right now, don't feel ashamed. Don't feel shaken. If you are suffering, praise God that you are bearing his name. Receive the forgiveness of Christ. Replace that guilt with his grace. Don't follow at a distance. We can unintentionally follow at a distance. And when you realize you're starting to drift, come on back. We can intentionally choose to follow closely. In 1 Peter 2.21, Peter says, For God called you to do good, even if it means suffering, just as Christ suffered for you. He is your example, and you must follow in his steps. A young man said, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Psalm 23.1. A middle-aged woman said, God is my refuge and my strength. A very present help in trouble, Psalm 46, 1. 
Another woman said, In this world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome this world, John 16, 33 through 35. Then old Mr. John, who was 80 years old, with a head of white hair and dark black skin, stood up and said with as much strength as he could muster, it says, and it came to pass, 85 times in the Bible. The class started to laugh a little, thinking that old Mr. John's memory was getting the best of him. When the snickering stopped, he said, at age 30, I lost my job with six hungry miles and a wife to feed. I didn't know how I would make it. At age 40, my eldest son was killed overseas in the war. It knocked me down. At age 50, my house was burned to the ground. Nothing was saved out of that house. At age 60, my wife of 40 years got cancer. It slowly ate away at her. We cried together many a night on our knees in prayer. At age 65, she died. I still miss her today. The agony I went through in each of these situations was unbelievable. I wondered where God was, but each time I looked into my Bible, I saw one of those 85 verses that said, and it came to pass. I felt that God was telling me my pain and my circumstances were also going to come to pass and that God would get me through it. My friend, God will get you through it too. Just keep on trusting him. Keep on putting your faith in Him. Thank you so much for listening today. Hickory Ridge Community Church is located at 3220 South Battlefield Boulevard, Chesapeake, Virginia. Sunday service times are at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. We'd love for you to join us. For more information, you go to our website at www.hrcc7.org. No matter what you're going through, remember, in Jesus Christ, there is always hope for your heart.